Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Tuesday, July 19th, following the All-Star Game as the National League, well, they lose again. They fall to the American League 3-2, to and if you look at the stats and the history behind the American League's recent dominance of the NL in the All-Star Game, it's kind of ridiculous. Every year, you sort of forget about it and lull yourself to sleep thinking, surely this is about a 50-50 coin flip shot, right? Two really talented teams, great players from the NL, great players from the AL. Anybody can win. But almost magnetically, it seems destined these days for the American League to get the better of the NL. Talk a little bit about that history, but spend more time tonight talking about what actually transpired during the actual game as the Cardinals, I think, by and large, came away from this game looking pretty good. With the effort by Paul Goldschmidt, yeah, that happened. We'll talk about the one at bat that Paul Goldschmidt received that uh, certainly, I guess it ends up as the most significant at bat of the night for the National League side. Gotta be. We'll talk about that from Goldie. We'll talk about Ryan Helsley getting into the game as well. Holy smokes. Literally, the smoke coming out of his right arm. We'll get into that. Talk Albert Pujols. He does appear in the game. Not as notable as what he did last night on Monday in the home run derby. But we'll mention Pujols. Miles Michaelis did not pitch in the game tonight, so not a lot to say about him, but he was there. I wasn't sure if he was going to make it. He wasn't in the team photo that was released a day or two ago. But Michaelis was there and got the announcement before the game lined up with everybody, so that was cool, but didn't get into the game. And then we'll talk about some of the other standouts from the evening as the American League beats the National League 3-2 to in the All-Star game, but we're definitely going to give this a Cardinals slant. We're going to talk some Cardinals because as a team, I think they come away uh, as one of the most prominent positives from the All-Star game this evening. Maybe the Yankees end up a little bit more noticeable with Giancarlo Stanton as the game's MVP, the home run that he hit. Byron Buxton of the Twins had a homer as well. We'll talk about the inning between Nestor Cortez and Jose Trevino, the battery for the Yankees that uh, was mic'd up during the game. That was pretty cool. And so Trevino made a positive uh, impression in my mind as well with the base hit that he got the next inning. So maybe it's the Yankees that end up as the most prominent Of course, getting the MVP of the game. But you know what? The Cardinals did pretty well in their own right. How about Paul Goldschmidt? Goldie with the home run, driving a shot to left field against Shane McClanahan. And they interviewed him immediately after. And he said, yeah, the last time I faced McClanahan in the season, I popped up a couple times against him. I was just trying to stay on top of the ball and drive it. And sure did. Uh, He found a way to drive that one out of the ballpark into the seats in left field for a solo home run. 
And if it weren't for that great double play, the American League turned right before that. Jimenez at second base started a really pretty double play that took some ducks off the pond for Goldie's at bat. National League might have won this game because that home run would have been a little more meaningful than a solo shot as it was. But it came in the first inning, part of the National League getting the ball rolling there with two runs in the bottom of the first inning. He had Acuna lead the game off in the bottom half of the first anyway with the base hit, and then Mookie Betts drives him in. But Betts was then erased on the double play started by Andre Simenez, had the flip behind his back to get the out at second base, which cleared the bases before Goldsmith. Yeah, if that ends up being more than a solo homer in that spot, That'd be three runs in the bottom of the first inning for the National League. Who knows? Final score of the game was 3-2, to two, all three runs for the AL coming in that fourth inning. And that seems to be the way it always goes, man. All these all-star games, all these losses for the National League, it's like pitching tends to dominate, and I get it. Pitching is so good nowadays in Major League Baseball. It's so difficult to, to do much damage against these guys, and it makes sense sometimes that some of the rare damage that does take place happens in the first inning because a starting pitcher is typically ready to settle in for a long haul for the game, knows he's going to pitch six, seven innings, especially in the case of a guy like Shane McClanahan. Kershaw was the starter for the NL tonight. And so you just expect to sort of ease your way in. But in this case, you can't do that because you know you're only getting probably the one inning. So you got to go all out, and McClanahan seemed to be maybe a little bit uncomfortable with that and ends up giving up a couple of runs, including the homer to Goldie. 2-0 pitch, middle-middle, that's not a spot you want to miss to with Goldie. Yeah, don't get behind in the count either. That doesn't doesn't help matters. He's Paul Goldschmidt. He's the front-runner in my mind for the MVP of the National League for a reason. Got that OPS up over 1,000 again prior to the end of the first half, quote-unquote the first half. 1,004 for the OPS for Goldie. Leads the National League among qualifying hitters in batting average at 330. On base percentage is 414. That leads the National League. And 590 for Slug, also leading the league, which of course means he's ahead in OPS as well. The only qualifying hitter with a 1,000 or better OPS from the NL Yep, that's the MVP so far. Hopefully he can keep it up for the second half and find a way to take home that award. That would be pretty cool for Goldsmith and for the Cardinals in general. But he had a great impression tonight with that home run, and I thought, all right, things are looking good for the NL. Didn't realize it until I think it was honestly Commissioner Rick Hummel's tweet that brought it to my attention because, like I said, you forget recent history. You know, yeah, the American League's piled up quite a few wins, but... I sort of always seem to push it out of my mind how many, just how many wins they have had. Well, it's been 10 years now because Matt Cain was the last National League pitcher to earn a win in the All-Star game. 2012 is when that took place. And it wasn't until the tweet by a commission that I saw him put out there tonight because, of course, his only tweets are about Matt Cain. He's had a Twitter account for, I don't know, seven or eight years or however long it's been. Always Matt Cain tweets and hardly anything else. It's kind of a running joke. So I'm sure he's out of the All-Star game tonight and figuring, oh, let's go ahead and drop another one in the annals of what I, I replied and said, hashtag Cain Chronicles. They, they might as well rename the account that. But that was a, a lot of fun seeing the commission tweet about that tonight. But it also made me realize, damn, National League, it really has been that long, 2012, since the last time they won. Of course, no All-Star game in 2020 with 
the season delayed because of COVID. Well, yeah, every other year, American League has emerged victorious against the NL, and that's nine in a row now. Boy. And it goes back even further than that, actually. The NL had a little bit of a run of success in 2010 to 2012, winning three in a row. And, of course, 2002, you had the tie. But since 1997, if you go back that far, only the, that 2010 to 2012 streak was the only three the NL has won since 1997, prior to which they had a, another three-year streak of, of winning the game. And then go all the way back to 88. The National League has won just six of the last 34 years, wherein there was one tie and one no decision considering the game wasn't played. That's still not a very good record. Six since 1988 is rough. But I think hopefully with the dawn of the universal DH, maybe that starts to even things out a little bit. But tonight was the pitching for the American League that just dominated National League hitting outside of that first inning. And I thought, mistake not to give Paul Goldschmidt a second at bat. Had Freddie Freeman come in, he hit one into the shift. I was watching at that point with some Atlanta Braves fans. Fun to joke about that. But, man, I'm serious, though. If Goldschmidt had got another bat, maybe he does some more damage and you can come up with something. But outside of McClanahan tonight, the American League pitching was on point. Alec Manoa strikes out the side in an inning. Framber Valdez, who I remember seeing in Round Rock, Texas in 2019, getting lit up, by the way, in AAA. I thought, oh, boy, this guy's no good. Turns out he's pretty good. He ended up making the all-star team and earning the win tonight with the scoreless Third inning, Paul Blackburn got a strikeout in an inning. He's with the Oakland Athletics. Needed the Houston Astros to come in and save him when the A's weren't going to send him on a charter plane. He ends up flying on the Astros team charter to the All-Star game because the Athletics told him, yeah, you know, you're on your own. Fly out commercial. I guess we'll fly you southwest. You kidding me, Athletics? That's ridiculous. It's pretty bad when you're a division rival has to pick up the tab and say, yeah, we'll we'll grab Paul Blackburn on our team charter flight since the A's weren't willing to charter a plane for the guy. And it's not that's not even as bad as what Juan Soto had to experience because he did have to fly commercial and Scott Boris, of course, was complaining about it. And let's be real, it's not like it's the end of the world. Anybody listening to this podcast probably you're flying commercial if you're flying somewhere. I don't know anybody. Access to a private jet. So it's not like it's the end of the world. We all have flown on planes and have gone through the the airport experience. But, you know, for these guys and their special experience for the All-Star game and the teams have so many resources, to not be able to hook them up like that feels pretty weak to me. And Juan Soto, I mean, he wins the home run derby and ended up the Nationals weren't willing to charter a plane for him because he was the only guy the only all-star from their team. No wonder he doesn't want to sign a long-term contract with them, though. Again, first-world problems, but at the same point, if you're trying to keep Juan Soto happy and maybe maybe out of bitterness they they didn't do it because they knew that recently he turned down their offer, so they're like, well, screw you. If that's the case, good luck. <laughs> good luck, man, mending the relationship. Juan Soto is probably in another uniform in a couple of weeks. Don't know about a Cardinals uniform, but we will maybe talk about that tomorrow on the next B-Shape Daily. So, hey, if you want to make sure you don't miss that, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pick one and, and, heck, pick them all if you want. 
Make sure you don't miss an episode. We'll talk some Juan Soto. I think we'll talk some other names as well. Pablo Lopez, I think, is a name that we should bring up from a pitching perspective that if the Marlins want to float that guy out there, I don't know how realistic it is for them to do so just because they've they've got a lot of young pitching, but pitching is what it's all about in this game. And if you, you don't have five of them, as the Cardinals are finding out this year, it's hard to compete at the level that you want. Marlins could just hang on to all their pitching and say, we'll do it next year. And if we've got eight or nine or 10 starters that we like, all we need is for five of them to be healthy and we can, we can go do this thing. But if he's a guy that they decide to move because they think now's the time to do it, I would be lining up if I'm the Cardinals for that one. So we'll talk about some trades the remainder of this week while we await baseball to resume the next two days, Wednesday and Thursday going to be pretty lean in the sports world. I can't think of a, a worse two day stretch in sports in the entire calendar than the next couple of days. What, I mean, what time of year do you have just literally nothing going on? At B. Schaefer 12 on Twitter, if you've got some ideas for some sports that are happening over the rest of this week, because I got a radio show to host 4 to 6 p.m. in Columbia on KTGR. Got to talk about something. And I don't really know what it's going to be. But that's why we'll do some trade conversations on B. Schaefer Daily the next couple of days to keep you guys informed and hopefully entertained. Excited to get into the Juan Soto talk. May may not be entirely realistic, but I think it'll still be a lot of fun. But as I was saying, Juan Soto, yeah, had to had to ride commercial out to Los Angeles. Paul Blackburn saved by the Astros from uh, from that first world problem. Nice of them to do that, and it's also a way to just stick it to their rival. Although, how much of a rival are the A's right now to Houston? But just nice to. Nice to see that, yeah, oh yeah, we'll we'll pick you up, even though you're a division rival, that's fine. But nevertheless, Martin Perez, maybe another name that the Cardinals could be interested in, Martin Perez from the Rangers had a scoreless inning, Nestor Cortez, talked about him, scoreless inning, two strikeouts, and just off the sheet for the American League with the scoreless innings, Emmanuel Classe striking out the side in the ninth. Ten strikeouts on the night for the American League pitchers. Uh, the National League pitching staff actually came up with 12 Ks, and so I guess I should say both pitching staffs were dominant. The only pitcher that messed up tonight was Tony Gonsolin. And the Cardinals are familiar with allowing him to to struggle a little bit because they should have given him his first loss of the season last week when the Cardinals were playing the Dodgers. But the bullpen blew that one for St. Louis, if you recall. I think that was a 6 nothing lead, maybe. Either 6-1 or 6 nothing in that game. And the Dodgers came all the way back. But Gonsolin didn't look good tonight in his home stadium. Gave up the two home runs. One to Stanton, one to Byron Buxton. Back-to-back homers ends up being the difference. Goldie's homer was not enough to overcome. And like I said, Goldie didn't get a second at bat. But Ryan Helsley was part of the National League dominant pitching performance. He gives up a hit to Luis Arias of the Minnesota Twins, who's got the highest batting average in the American League, and I believe in all of baseball at 338, something like that for the season. Kind of a, a, a Tony Gwynn type hitter where he gets on base he makes a lot of contact, not a ton of power, but a low strikeout guy and, and really modern-day version of what Tony Gwynn was, which Tony Gwynn, one of the best to ever do it, so don't get it twisted, but similar profiles in terms of uh, lack of power, high-contact-oriented kind of player. He gets the base hit off of Ryan Helsley, which really was shouldn't have been a base hit. I don't know what Jake Cronenworth was doing. The ball was hit right to him, and it's like he, he did the matrix backbend around the ball and so he didn't get a glove on it, and it goes as a base hit against Helsley, whatever. But Hells Bells looked ridiculously good on a national scale. You like to see, again, I like it for Goldschmidt because he should be the MVP of the National League. 
with the way he's played so far. But on either coast, West Coast, East Coast, they've got the biases. They don't really know what happens in what they consider to be flyover country. Don't always get your full due. And it's the baseball writers that vote on these awards. And so the guys on the coast, guys and gals, need to know what's going on in St. Louis with, with Paul Goldsmith this year. And at least he was able to, to put on a good showing. Same thing with Ryan Helsley. Two strikeouts in an inning of work for Helsley. Like I said, the base hit that he gave up wasn't really a hit. Kind of lame. Should have been caught, but it just gave him an opportunity to further put on display just how good he is. Two times tonight, he hit 103 miles per hour. That, that'll that wake you up in the batter's box. And that got some attention on the broadcast as well. So really good to see Helsley showing well in the game. And maybe more importantly, getting that quick third out so that he didn't have to throw too many pitches and worry about pitch count and things like that in the All-Star game. Like, I found that that's always my mentality with Cardinals pitchers in the All-Star game. I spend more time just kind of uneasy about, okay, don't throw too many pitches, don't don't hurt yourself, that kind of thing, more than just being able to enjoy it. I think with position players, you can just enjoy it because, yeah, you strike out, you, you get a hit, whatever. But pitching is the one area where you're like, okay, don't throw 30 pitches in one inning in a meaningless game. And he was able to, after the, the first two outs kind of took a little bit of time, he got that third one relatively quickly and ended up throwing just 17 pitches, uh, 15 strikes, by the way. So, yeah, Ryan Helsley, uh, I think he's still locked in, looking good. That was really cool to see. And Albert Pujols did get into the game and gave it a bit of a ride. He clearly got under it with the swing. I was expecting it to be caught pretty easily, but it honestly got a little closer to leaving the yard than I expected on the at-bat for Albert. So that was that was kind of fun. At least it gave it a little bit of a ride there to left field. And then, as I mentioned, no Miles Michaelis for the National League in this game. Looking through, Kershaw, Alcantara, Musgrove, Gonsolin, Luis Castillo. So they used five starting pitchers, and then they went to relief pitchers for the last four innings of the game. And Michaelis was a, a late addition. He he only got on the roster, and he was very deserving, but he only got on the roster because Corbin Burns, I guess, pitched Sunday, and so he wasn't eligible to pitch in the game on Tuesday, and Michaelis gets to join as a replacement. But that was cool. I saw the, the pictures from, like, the red carpet ceremony. He has family out there, and I believe it's, it's accurate that in 2018, when he earned a trip to the All-Star game, the Twins were being born around that same time, and so he was unable to participate if I remember correctly so good to see for Miles to be able to get out there and enjoy soak in this is this all-star experience that he certainly deserved ERAs around two and a half one of the the top ERAs in the National League and so congratulations to him and all the Cardinals all-stars but especially the ones that contributed tonight and, and made the Cardinals look good Goldie coming through offensively Helsley on the pitching side and of course Albert was was the star of the entire week so even though he he didn't get a base hit in his low net bat tonight, still Cardinals fans can be pretty proud of of what he was able to accomplish during that home run derby. What a moment that was! Just the whole the whole ordeal was fun for Albert out there. And if you missed yesterday's podcast, we pretty much exclusively talked about Albert in the home run derby during B Shape Daily on Monday night into Tuesday morning. So that's the previous episode on your podcast feed, so scroll back by one and listen to the Love Fest. I really did. I guessed about Albert. It was really cool to see, and so I I let my thoughts and emotions on that whole deal be known in yesterday's episode. So go back and listen to that if you missed it. 
And if you did hear it, hell, go listen to it again. What better What better do you have to do the next two days with no Cardinals baseball, right? You can dream up trade scenarios. I guess that's something that you can do. want to mention a few other little tidbits of information about the All-Star game, non-Cardinals related. But Jose Trevino was a lot of fun, wasn't he? I love when they, can, they, they do the mic'd up for the All-Star game. And some guys are better than others with how interesting they are. But the battery from the Yankees, Trevino and, and Nestor Cortez, who's been a breakout star for the Yankees on the starting pitching side this season. They were the battery for one of the innings and both mic'd up. And so you got to hear some really interesting insight into what they wanted to do pitch calling wise. And that they come away with a good scoreless inning and their opportunity. And then Trevino still had the mic on for the latter half inning, I believe is when he took his at bat shortly after it may have been two innings later, but that was really cool because stepping into the batter's box, he's like, man, I'm an all-star. This is amazing. Like, he sounded like an average Joe out there that was really soaking in the moment. And it's really cool when you see that from first-time All-Stars, from guys who hadn't been in the situation. For some of them, it's old hat, and it's still special to get to hear from those players because they're they're some of the greats of our game, and, and fans really enjoy that. But I also like to see the guys who are a little green for these experiences, and, and it still means a lot to them to be able to participate and so Trevino's talking and he's walking up to the batter's box and Joe Davis uh you know taking over for Joe Buck this year doing a good job in, in the booth interesting too because he is the Dodgers regular announcer that's kind of the difference as well Joe Buck was just national and for so long whereas Joe Davis is actually the regular TV announcer for the Dodgers games but he's he does a good job and and unbiased and everything like that but it was funny to hear him talking to Trevino and, and and Jose says, oh, you guys can still talk to me. It won't bother me. So they're just chatting with him during the at-bat and talking about each pitch. And then he gets a base hit and goes down the right field line. And they're thinking, oh, is he going to go for two? And no, he, he stops at a single. So they're ribbing him about that. But he said, hey, can they make sure to give me that ball? Because I it's my first all-star game hit, man. I want to I get that ball. That was really cool to see. And then later on, Liam Hendricks wanted the ball, the, uh, the pitcher, in the American League side, he wanted the ball after getting a flyout that was hit to the rookie Julio Rodriguez from Seattle. And Rodriguez is holding up the ball while Hendricks is mic'd up shouting out there. And he's the one who cussed. I think it was it was the All-Star game last year maybe when he cussed on, on TV. I can't remember when it was. But Hendricks has maybe a little bit of a reputation for a mouth on him. And so people were wondering if he would, if he would curse again on the air. But no, he gets that fly ball to the outfield. And he's yelling out to Julio Rodriguez. He's like, hey, keep that ball. And then they they pan to Rodriguez, who holds it up, like smiling like this. You want this? And pretends he's going to throw it into the crowd. And then he's pointing to his ear like, I can't hear you. I thought that was a really fun moment. Those are those are the things from the All-Star game that are cool. If they're, they're kind of the blink and you miss it moments. But it's what it makes it fun because you get to see the personalities of the players a little bit more shine through. Julio Rodriguez has really in, endeared himself nicely to the national audience on a national stage over the past couple of days. Uh, seems like a really fun guy. Seems like a really just a, a, a good personality, good kid. And I think he's going to be a bright star in the league in the future. Not not that he isn't already, but just sort of still getting acclimated. Seems really to uh, just, just fit right in. He, he's a really fun guy. And it was good to see a little bit more of him the last couple of days. But yeah, I thought the All-Star game was pretty cool. And then something that had happened that I didn't even realize this had happened before the game if it did but it may have been a press conference for Kershaw during the game after his appearance I don't know if they were doing media in the middle of the game that may have been the case but Kershaw gets up after the end of a press conference 
uh, thinking it's over. Okay, thank you, thank you, everybody. And then somebody says, hey, Clayton, I think there's a there's a kid here that wants to say something to you. And he said, oh, okay, what, what do you got, buddy? And he sits back down, and 10-year-old kid talks to Kershaw about how his grandfather had a bucket list, and meeting Clayton Kershaw was on that list. And and unfortunately, his grandpa never got to, to make that happen. He, he passed away from cancer before getting to do so. But 10-year-old Blake... Uh, said, yeah, this is this was on my grandpa's bucket list, and so I'm I'm here to excited to meet you, uh, to to do that for him, you know, to because I know he's here with me, and so that was really special. And Kershaw was so good, man, so gracious to this kid. Like, that's that's what it's all about for real at the end of the day, and was so cool to him. Gave him a hug, took pictures with him, excitedly did it. You know, it's not like it was just he, he was putting him out or anything. You could tell that. Uh, Kershaw, this this meant something to him as well, and I, I like this comment on Twitter. The guy says, "I know they're just ball players, and we shouldn't idolize them. It's just that they bring us so much joy and lifetime memories playing a game that we all love. And I only wish more of them really truly recognized the privilege and paid it forward uh, with gestures like this." That was the top comment on uh, one of the videos of of the Kershaw exchange with ten year old Blake Grice. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that comment any more than I do. I want to make sure to, to give that a like on Twitter. It's just really cool. Like a lot of athletes do a good job of it. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. So we shouldn't undersell that, but really cool that Clayton Kershaw took that time and, uh, you know, made not only a kid's day, but that's a memory that he's not ever going to forget. And that's, you know, kid loses his grandfather to cancer. That sucks. That's just, you know, that's just awful. And the fact that Kershaw is able to sort of, uh, to give give a give a sweet memory on top of a, a bitter situation for a young kid, that is sports in a nutshell, right? Like that's why we love it, and uh, I really appreciate that from Clayton Kershaw tonight. That's a pretty sweet thing, uh, maybe maybe the sweetest thing in sports. If you listen to the KTGR Big Show, I'll, I'll, I think I'll make that a nomination for Wednesday's show. But that's going to do it for this edition of this show, Be Shape Daily. I appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. And now we get to have some fun. Starting Wednesday, it's going to be some trade talk over the next two days. Let me know which players you think the Cardinals should be interested in, which players are untouchable to you. I put this on on the Spotify app. If you uh, subscribe over on Spotify, you may have seen a few days ago, I put the question into the Spotify app, is Jordan Walker untouchable, or should he be, for the Cardinals in trade conversations coming up at this August 2nd trade deadline. Let me know what you think on that and, and everything else going on with the Cardinals. At Schaefer 12 on Twitter, you can DM me, tweet at me, whatever you feel most comfortable doing, and give me some names to talk about. We've got Pablo Lopez. we got Juan Soto. Can dig in a little bit on Martin Perez. We did that on the big show, actually, on Tuesday. Talked a little bit about that from a pitching perspective for the Cardinals. And if you're looking for more sports content and you're a Missouri sports fan or mid-Missouri especially, if you're a Cardinals fan, Blues fan, Kansas City Chiefs maybe, Missouri Tigers, I would recommend the Big Show podcast as well. It is on Spotify, just like B-Shape Daily. You could check that out if you're looking for some more audio content to get you through the uh, the long week without baseball right now. We'll, we'll be back with it on Friday, but until then, we're going to make sure to do some, some trade talks here on B-Shape Daily. So join us on Wednesday and Thursday. And contribute if you'd like, Epi Schaefer 12 on Twitter to give me uh, some content ideas for who we should talk about. Who are the Cardinals going to go get? They need a starter, don't they? I feel like they do. We'll see if they get one. And we'll talk about it the rest of this week, but that will do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Thank you guys once again. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.